0: Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com.
1: Good to have you in on a Friday edition of Fantasy Sports Daily. Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers, and it appears a version, an image of Jeff Mann's, is that... All we can hope for today, Ray Flower.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, like I said, Jeff is here not only in spirit, he's actually over my shoulder here. So um he this is Jeff Mans being with us today. He had a family situation, his wife has been sick, so he's been dealing with family stuff. So unfortunately, he can't visit with us today. We will get him on the show because now he he's indebted to us because he didn't mm-hmm. come on today. But we got him here in spirit as well as in photo behind me. Is uh somebody Pushing him over on a seated chair, is that why
1: he's... It's its like uh the old Batman TV show, Ray, whenever they'd show the bad guys in their lair. Right. I remember, like, the Joker or the Riddler or whomever, they'd always be angled. Right. You know, there were rooms that when the bad guys showed up, the room was angled just to emphasize that something was off with these individuals. That appears to be happening with Jeff Manns.
0: You know what? I didn't think of it that way, but, yeah, he is evil, I guess. Yeah. He's yep. got the green, like he's the Riddler. Too, from the batman series um but yeah no i think he was just taking a photo showing his green screen behind him okay. it just ended up working out that way for our purposes
1: uh well we'll call him the villain the batman villain uh from now on a pleasure to have everybody with us on this last edition of fsd before the super Bowl.
0: not the last edition ever no
1: we'll keep how many are we up to Ray? like 75 of these
0: I think? this is 74 today yeah. yeah
1: 74 so uh next monday be a big one number 75 is recap everything with super bowl 58 today we will preview everything with super bowl 58 uh tyler beaker is set to join us in about uh, five minutes or so we will get a game preview with tyler um he'll also i'm sure be willing to throw in a prop better too that's kind of the tyler's forte and then we'll really go aggressively into wagering uh rich Moletto is going to stop by on the show right after tyler and give us kind of a, a wagering slash betting preview. We should note over at the FG.com right now, uh, not only Rich, not only Tyler, but Jeff Manns. Ray, you're over there making prop bets too, aren't you? I haven't uh, signed it up yet. I
0: may jump in there though. I haven't done it yet.
1: He will be there soon uh, to talk really a long, long list of prop bets that these guys like. MLB Model, uh, kind of our resident shark. He's going to be in there. Uh so do check that out if you're looking for prop bets or any kind of pool that you're in with the Super Bowl there is uh, some great things to take a look at there and as I said we'll get a betting preview with Rich Maletto. So that is going to be a majority of the show today but we do have baseball. Uh Ray wants to talk pitcher workloads which I think we kind of talk about every day but we've got numbers this time. Um and then Ray will get into the rookie class of 2024 at second base. This will be uh the final discussion of the second base position today. And uh, we'll give you a few names that maybe late in a draft, or if you're in a league specific setup, uh, you might want to think about adding. So that is where we stand on that front football, baseball, your comments, your questions, send them our way on YouTube, send them our way on Facebook X, wherever you're at this morning. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Ray Flowers, it's now time to turn it over to you. You are the man who uh, lets us know what's going on with deals. And we should note today, we got a new deal for anybody maybe interested in the NBA and beyond for the remainder of this uh, this year.
0: Correct, Kyle. I'll go through them quickly. You can always find them over at fantasyguru.com. Click in the top right-hand corner on the Join Now tab. It takes you to the page. Uh, 20% off everything FSD20. So use that promo code FSD20. That's globally that's available to you. The package that Kyle just talked about is the NBA All-In Package, and we just dropped this price, and now it's insanity. Pure insanity, folks. I feel like a used car salesman. It's $75 for the rest of the season. And what do you get? You see it there on the screen. You don't just get NBA. You get NBA, NHL, college basketball, PGA, MMA, soccer, and racing. All of it. All of those sports for $75. So we just dropped that down, so make sure you get that. We've got the all-in NFL package, which is the Super Bowl betting guide that Kyle just mentioned. That includes the betting guide. That includes our off-season content, our franchise mode as we head up toward the NFL draft. That includes all the seasonal and DFS action for this week as well for the Super Bowl. All of that is $19.99. And then, of course, we've got the baseball guy. Use that promo code FSD20 on that. That drops the early bird pricing down from $50 to $40. You get it for $40 bucks right now, and that's all season long Cop. That's it? That's Well, uh, that's it.
1: You know, that that NFL package with the $20 uh, for the Super Bowl betting sheet and then kind of the uh, all-season franchise mode, DFS, all that, um, This offseason is going to be a fun one. And if it's a fun one in real life, it's a fun one at Fantasy Guru because there's going to be a lot to break down. And I I think I saw Jeff Manns' uh, write-up. We'll find a way to sneak in Jeff on the show, even though personally he won't be here. But, Ray, I I saw in his write-up that he made the claim um, that not only do we have an offseason that has a ton of coaching changes, uh, a lot of big-name free agents, he made the claim that this is the best collection of skill position players that we've ever seen for the NFL draft. So I did not know it was that good. Like I, we, we've kind of looked at this and at the top, it's exciting. I mean, we, we got a good crew of receivers. I think there's a lot of those guys running backs. Not like there is no B. John Robinson, but there's a lot of guys you can turn to. And if they land in the right spot in round three, four or five, who knows? Uh, quarterback, you know, we got probably four guys going in the first round. Um, and then tied in, we've got a, a, another top 10 pick. So I don't know if I'm going to follow Jeff. He's done a lot more study than I have, but he is uh, getting pumped already for NFL draft season. Maybe some of that can rub off on you, Ray Flowers.
0: Maybe it can. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you what. Um, it's rubbed off on the football community because the dynasty questions are fast and furious. People are, people are making moves, Kyle. Uh, so they're getting ready for the big game this weekend by working on their fantasy squads.
1: Uh, we'll be visiting with Tyler Beaker here in a bit. Rich Mileto, uh, coming up as well. Quickly on the Super Bowl, I-, I don't know if these are issues, Ray, but we'll throw them out there. Isaiah Pacheco is listed with ankles plural <laughs> as as a problem. Again, what are we now like twenty games in uh, or nineteen games in? Very expected. Nobody's saying he's going to miss this game. It's kind of like Travis Kelsey. You know, he's been limited in practice this week. Um, I don't know. Does does Pacheco rise to the level of a concern? And and it's maybe not even a Pacheco question, Ray. Maybe it's a question about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You know, there are people, if you're playing DFS or, you know, you're doing the one and done, maybe Edwards-Alaire is, is worth a cheap play, a cheap throw, something of that ilk. Um, I think Pacheco is going to be out there, but maybe you get three more extra touches for CEH.
0: Uh, I I might be wrong here, but isn't it Rasheed Rice that has the ankle? Oh, was I saying Pacheco? Yeah, yeah, Pacheco yeah, all yeah. the
1: whole time. Rasheed. Yeah. Okay, so forget everything I said. Throw all that to the side. Kyle's blown that. Any concern with Rasheed Rice? Well, How about
0: that one, Ray? Well, well, well. Ceh has got an illness. So, and as Dexter <laughs> Kitty celebrates the Super Bowl with us, hello, Dexter. Um, I mean, when you, it, it, it's the joke was made of it, right? It's like ankles. Like, yeah. who has ankles? Like, there's. What did he? What well, everybody did he, has
1: two ankles, Ray. I don't. They, know. they do.
0: But yeah. what was he? Was he ice skating and he tried to stop with both feet at one time and slammed into a fence? Like I, I don't know. So I, I mean, at this point, I'm gonna say it doesn't matter. But you know, I, he's playing, right? Like he's playing. The question is, what is the, the value of this news bit? And I'm gonna say it's very little. I, I you shoot him up, you tape him up. It's a Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm not worried about that.
1: Yeah, on the uh, San Francisco side, again, the Kittle thing's kind of going on. But other than that, they're fine. Everybody should be good. So that is where we stand in terms of uh, health, which is good to see. You know, you want a Super Bowl where everybody's out there and both teams. uh, You know, the Thuni thing is probably a big one for the Chiefs. There's a slight chance maybe he's out there. Maybe he dresses. Maybe he gives it a go. Uh, But overall, we got two teams that are arriving at the Super Bowl, mostly healthy, which is tough to do, but they did it here in 2023-24. Okay, let's dig into this game a bit more. Uh, Tyler Beaker is with us here on FSD to give us his thoughts. We love checking in with Tyler every Friday throughout the NFL season. Uh, So happy to check in for one more Friday um, here before this NFL season concludes. Tyler, good to see you, sir. How goes it on this uh, pre-Super Bowl Friday, I guess we'll call it.
2: Counting down the hours, guys. Uh, Cannot wait for this matchup. Um, Man, two weeks is way too long between the conference championships and the Super Bowl. Man, we should just move the Pro Bowl, flip flop the Super Bowl and the Pro Bowl. Give us another week of great football, and then we get into the fun shenanigans a week later. I'm I'm antsy. I'm antsy.
1: There's some buildup though, and I I say this every year. It kind of feels like there's less and less buildup. Like the story. You're right. With the two weeks, it's like okay, you're very excited coming out of the championship games, and wow, this is gonna be an all-time affair, going to Vegas, and then it just kind of pitter-patters. And it's about this point, Tyler, where you get back into it and you get back to being excited. That being said, I'm sure you've been looking at this game and some of the matchups for the past two weeks, and we'll start with your ever-popular wide receiver cornerback matchup. Um, I want to talk both teams. Let's start with San Francisco going up against that Chiefs secondary. Um, This figures to be a, a... Pretty difficult matchup for Chief receivers. Kind of tell us uh, how you see it when the Chiefs line up against uh, San Francisco in terms of the 49er passing game.
0: In
2: terms of the 49ers offense on the field. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Uh, yeah. So we're looking at a Chiefs defense that tends to play heavy man coverage. They're top five in that rate. They lead the league in the amount of two high looks. That means two safeties looking back in the field. Um, they prevent big plays, basically. That's what they're designed to do. They have an aggressive defense there. In, by Steve Spagnuolo where they're not afraid to send the blitz. Um, I think that's going to be an interesting matchup there against the 49ers, a uh, really fun stat by next gen stats that the 49ers have the tight- tightest formation in terms of like mm-hmm. left to right in terms of how they align. They do a lot of 21, 12, um, those types of personnel where they have they're not like going three wide receivers they're not trying to spread you out horizontally they play really tight concentrated looks and that really helps their run game but it also helps the defense in terms of them being able to send blitzers like uh, an additional nickel cornerback or a safety because there's less room for them to cover in terms of like them being lined out out wide and having more distance to cover to get to the quarterback i'm really interested in how that angle plays out specifically given how high the the chief splits and given what um, Brock Purdy does against the Blitz. He's been pretty great in the regular season, but he has kind of fallen off in that regard over these uh, past two games of the postseason here against the Blitz. Uh, as far as the matchups go, um, it's going to be a tough one for Brandon Ayuk, who's likely to get shadowed by Lajarius Sneed, who has shut down opposing wide receiver ones all season long. Sneed has been phenomenal. They are allowing the fewest yards per game to opposing wide receiver ones. And while you can say it's a bit ticky-tacky between um, Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk, Ayuk runs over 75% of his routes along the perimeter. Debo is more of that move guy, their pre-stamp motion guy. He'll they'll even throw him in the backfield from time to time. Where it makes more sense to see Ayuk limited given his big play potential. And Ayuk's a stud. Do not disregard this in terms of like thinking, I'm not thinking Ayuk is less than Debo. They are both a 1A, 1B option for this passing attack. Uh very, very excited to see how Debo is utilized, though, because he's, I think, the weapon that they want to lean on here. 49ers. Um, uh, should be able to get him going in terms of uh, passes over the middle. Get that Yak skill set going. Uh, last week against the Lions, eight forced missed tackles on just eleven touches. Really, really exciting player there. Um, excited to see how he gets utilized.
0: Tyler, let's talk about things on the other side, and we'll break it up into two questions. The first one is about Rasheed Rice. We just mentioned the ankles any concern there? Um, and talk to us about what you're expecting from Rashi Rice, because he's obviously the number one wide receiver on this team and they're going to need him. We would think to have success in this matchup against the Niners.
2: Yeah, the 49ers. So we talked about the chiefs being a man heavy defense. The Niners are a bit opposite. They play zone more than anything else. Um, that sets up guys like Kelsey and Rice to be utilized in more of a yak capacity where they want to use them in like crossing patterns, get those yaks, those yak guys moving in motion. Uh, East to West and try to capitalize off that. Uh, The ankle injury is concerning for sure, but we've seen since the week 10 by that Rashi rice and Travis Kelsey over these last 10 games, they have been like a one a one B situation in terms of target share. Rice has really, really picked it up to close out the regular season and that's carried over into the postseason. He's not seeing the same level that Kelsey has these last three games, but I mean, in a one game sample, there's a shot that rice goes for what? 75 plus yards. Um, I like both these guys in terms of the, outlook for fantasy potential they're guys i want to play in my dfs showdown lineups given that we're likely seeing a concentrated passing attack given how much mahomes leans on these two guys when facing zone defenses specifically
0: all right so we talk all about kelsey we talk all about rice and then it's everybody else for the cheese the title we've got mbs watson <laughs> Michael hardman richie james kadarius tony talk to us about this group is there someone in this group that you think could pop in the dfs space they could pop in the one and done space Or is it really hard to kind of get a handle on those like five receivers behind those top two guys?
2: They split up the work quite a bit. And we've seen more of the Chiefs going toward 13 personnel, which is one running back and three tight ends. So they're going away from like the, the three receiver sets, the four receiver sets, trying to spread you out that way in terms of like an empty spread formation and going more heavy and that i think is going to play into the chiefs if they wanted to get this game away with a win because they'll need to get isaiah pacheco going that is the softest path to defeating this 49ers defense who has a great front four they rush the passer really well but they don't send additional blitzers so the 30th and blitz rate if those front four don't get home i think we could see this uh passing attack for the chiefs have a lot of success but we're also finding a path where pacheco could get a lot of volume on the ground and be the 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 litmus key for them, like actually winning this game. I think a big Pacheco game is going to be instrumental for them. Uh, but as far as those ancillary guys, like it's really, really tough to buy any single player because they're all looking at like a one to three target expectation. And mm. with guys like MVS uh, since week 10, he's got an 18.9 yards per uh, yards, uh, average depth of target. Justin Watson, like 15.4, 15.6, something like that. So both these guys are seeing low percentage looks given how far down the field they are. They also have, Ward, one of the top cornerbacks in the league defending one side of the field the other guy amber thomas on the outside whenever they go into three corners uh any kind of nickel formations amber thomas is the guy you would like to target um the problem in terms of selecting which one is the chiefs rotate the receivers so much where it's not like we have like a singular wide receiver that's attacking the left side of the formation a singular guy attacking the right um watson and mvs are both dart throws to me and we've seen that play out like we know that like and oh, last four catches, three of them have gone for 30 yards. One of them went for six yards. Watson has been invisible. Essentially these, this postseason, they're very, very, very poor plays to play together. I would rather just throw my eggs in the basket of one of these guys, hoping I get the one that hits for a home run, but they're very weak plays. And then as far as we get to the gadgety plays, my goodness. No, I want nothing to do with these guys. Uh, We've seen Kadarius Tony botch the ball numerous times. We've seen Michael Hardman. Uh, He had one snap in the commerce championship game after that fumble in the divisional round. I don't I don't see it, guys. Maybe Richie James gets lucky in an end around. Maybe we get weird there. I'd rather uh throw my eggs into like the Noah Gray basket, hoping he gets lucky with a you touchdown.
1: You know, Tyler, in, in kind of the generic way of thinking, people say, oh, the Kansas City Chiefs offense. And they think, oh, Pat Mahomes throw in. Travis mm-hmm. Kelsey scoring. This is a high flying offense that throws. What do the actual numbers say here of late as Pacheco's got more involved? Are they more run heavy than than they were last year or even earlier this year? Have they tended to become now a, a run focused team down the stretch here?
2: They still led the league in pass rate over expectation at plus six point nine percent. But that, compared to other seasons, hasn't been as high as they typically are. So to your credit, yes, they are switching a bit more to the ground game, and they found success with it. I mean, we also have to keep in mind these postseason games have been very weather impacted. So we've seen not only the game script go in the Chiefs' favor, but because of it being like sub-zero temperatures and then finding success on the ground, they've just stuck with Pacheco. Pacheco's over under rush prop. I believe it's 16 and a half right now. Great line. It's really tough if you're back in the Niners to want to take the over on that, given how, like I said, how pass heavy the Chiefs are when they have the opportunity to do so. But if they're worth working with a lead, they should be able to feed Pacheco pretty frequently here. So depending on which side of the game you think in terms of who's going to win should dictate how you go in terms of like your prop selections. Well,
1: and, and to kind of tie those two things together, the idea that the Chiefs pass and then you mentioned the, the rushing attempt total by Pacheco, the pass attempt over under for Mahomes is this DraftKings is 36 and a half. Mm-hmm. Is that is that too high in your estimation, that number? Do you like the under a lot more there?
2: I do like the under there. Um, the, the thing with Mahomes, though, is like because of that high pass rate over expectation, even when winning and like working with a 7-plus lead, they're still going to throw the ball to mix things up. It's Andy Reid's offense. They're, they're still going to incorporate the pass, whether that be more conservative, like checkdowns. Maybe they get the tight ends going. Maybe they get outlets or screens going to the running back position. They're still going to incorporate the pass, even when working with a lead. So... The 36 and a half line is a number I would bet the
0: under, but it's still a, a decent line. It's a decent line. Uh, Tyler, what about the passing piece directly? You mentioned Patrick Mahomes. He's at his over under is 260 and a half. Brock Purdy is 248 and a half. Both very similar numbers. We've talked a lot about Mahomes and how big games and he's been there before and all that. What about that 248 and a half number with Brock Purdy? You think that, you know, it's a tough matchup, as you discussed. You think that's something you'd go the over or the under on?
2: That's what I'm honestly staying away from uh, because th- we know that the 49ers are a team that wants to run the ball quite heavily. I imagine in their first opening drive, they're going to have some great game scripts in terms of like how uh, their scripted plays. They're like first opening 15 plays of the game. Kyle Shanahan's had two weeks to prepare for this. I imagine he's going to have some great tricks up his sleeve, um, mostly centered around getting Christian McCaffrey going. For that reason, we know that the 49ers are great at running the ball. We know the Chiefs' weakness is. Defending the run, they're like 32nd in ESPN's run stop rate. Um, Bottom five in multiple defensive run categories. If the 49ers have a positive game script, Christian McCaffrey could have a field day against this unit. Um, Because of that, I I don't want to take any overs on Brock Purdy's yardage.
1: You know, there's part of me, Tyler, that, that hears that. And I kind of agree with you, McCaffrey. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, we could be like 25 plus touches. Maybe yeah. maybe the, the rare thirty, t- it, it it just sounds crazy, but that kind of plays out here, um. You know, and maybe it's so much forty nine er rushing that we do get to see guys like Elijah Mitchell ha- have a, a few moments here. If you, if they don't want to push, you know, McCaffrey up to thirty touches, Mitchell could be a guy maybe in line for seven or eight touches here on Sunday.
2: I will push back on that because okay. they've been saving CMC for this situation okay. exactly. <laughs> Like we saw in these past two games,
1: is is 30 touches like something that you wouldn't be surprised by if
2: we get there with McCaffrey? No, he's averaging 27 in these postseason contests. Uh, to see them have positive game script in the Super Bowl, there's they're not saving him for anything. Like, why not give it to your workhorse? Uh, I, I imagine that that's probably a high number for him, but it's not outlandish given his. I think it is exactly 27.0 opportunities per game. So that's targets, not receptions. Let me yeah. clarify there uh, that he's seeing um, one of those was boosted by a 12 target outing, but mm-hmm. it's CMC guys. I don't think we're going to see a big yeah. Elijah Mitchell game.
1: <laughs> is is he a must? I, again, he's expensive as hell, but a DFS, yeah. if you're doing this one game showdown does McCaffrey, gotta be there. I mean, is he going to be 85% owned in, in a lot of these lineups? You think?
2: Yeah. Yes. Yes, he will. Um, The only reason to not play him is if you're going with a contrarian option where uh, I don't even know how to phrase it. Maybe you go with like Chiefs, (laughs) Pacheco as the captain where you think Chiefs just get out to a massive lead and Purdy set up in a passing script where he leans on Kittle, Ayuk and Debo more than we're expecting. And because of that, maybe CMC. I mean, here's the thing though, even in a, a trailing game script, McCaffrey is still likely to get five to six catches so he's not like drawing dead completely he has high rate of work inside the red zone as well even if the Niners get rolled and like they're playing from behind there's a still good shot that McCaffrey ends up in the optimal lineup he's not that good of a player and he's playing behind one of the best offensive lines in that wide zone rushing scheme of Shanahan's that's been absolutely crushing it top five in so many marks against wide zone runs um, and the Niners, I'm sorry, and the, the Chiefs' run defense has really struggled against zone-specific blocking schemes.
0: Tyler, Jeff Mann's here, the guy behind me. He picked the Chiefs to win this game. Who are you picking to win this game, and do you have a score that you'd be comfortable throwing out there? I have the Chiefs as
2: well. Uh, I grabbed them, money line as soon as those conference championship games ended at like plus 118. You can mm. probably still get them like plus 110, I believe, is most books right now. Um, still comfortable taking that number. I'm going with the chiefs. I agree with Jeff. I would take them. I'd rather take the money line than the plus two personally, just to get better numbers. Um, over-unders 47 and a half, and I'm projecting like a, a 48 point game, 31, <laughs> 17 chiefs, um, should be a fun game. I imagine the chiefs, I, I think they're going to have a lot of success. And I think a lot of it's going to be due to Pacheco. Uh, he's a guy that I'm very, very interested in terms of like some maybe an anytime touchdown or grabbing two of those, uh, just to see what kind of odds you can get there. Uh, uh, it should be a fun be, game though.
1: Yeah. And, and we're going to be visiting with Rich Maletto here right after you. We're going to talk all the wagers yeah. and stuff, but but I know you're into this world too. You just talked about your, your straight up pick of, of uh, Kansas city. I, any other prop bets, maybe lower down the pool, like uh something, a yardage total, uh um a pass attempt total, or even something very esoteric, like first snap of the game will be a pat If anything you're feeling as you go into Sunday that you really like as a bet.
2: Yes. um, Really like Debo Samuels receiving yardage over. I think he gets going quite a bit here, like his matchup. um, I'm going to have a YouTube video on that out shortly for you guys. And I'll, I'll give one other fun play. That's uh, something I listed in our betting package. And it was shortest touchdown over 1.5 yards. So it's kind of a novelty play. So I I only played it for a half unit, but there were 1,224 touchdowns during the regular season. 194 of those were just one yard or shorter in distance. That's 15.8%. So that means the large majority of touchdowns are coming from two yards or out. I like this play. The only way we probably see this fail is if we get like a defensive pass interference call in the end zone, they get moved up to the one yard line. It happens, but I'm willing to roll that dice rolling. Knowing that neither the Niners nor the chiefs were particularly uh, high in terms of their percentage of touchdowns that came from one yard or closer. So that's my favorite bet as far as a novelty one. I'm sticking away from the Gatorade stuff, the coin toss, the national anthem, let someone else play those games. Uh, I'm going with more stat based props.
1: Maybe Rich Mileta will play those games. Maybe he'll handle the Gatorade (laughs) shower. We'll see. Uh, Tyler, great, great time to get you on. Uh, Love the breakdown. Thanks for hanging out with us for 15 minutes here to kind of talk about the Super Bowl. Enjoy the hell out of the game and enjoy a a little bit of rest. I guess you get uh, when this season is over, I'm sure you're, Back at it probably sometime mm-hmm. next week with more columns. But we've enjoyed the hell out of it all season, uh, regular season, playoffs here at the Super Bowl. I uh, can't thank you enough for jumping on on Fridays this season.
2: Yeah, thank you guys. It's been a blast talking these game script articles with you guys. I know it's kind of a a, a data filled kind of segment, but uh, it's fun <laughs> and it's a uh, it's my favorite part of the fantasy football. So I appreciate yeah. you guys having me on. I uh, hope you guys enjoy the Super Bowl as well.
1: Yeah, and you're very good at it, it's, uh, Tyler Beaker. There, hanging out with us, fantasyguru.com again. Uh, He's got the column up right now, came up uh, maybe a couple of days ago with the wide receiver cornerback matchups. You can find him in the betting guide uh, with some of his uh, favorite selections, and I'm sure there'll be something popping up over the weekend. So big thanks to Tyler for hanging out with us here on Fantasy Sports Daily. We go from one guest to another guest. We uh, bid adieu to Tyler Beaker, and we say hello to Rich Maletto. Uh, Rich is going to help us out, and hell, we'll talk about the game, obviously, within this, but... We're going to kind of focus on what has become the other part of the Super Bowl. There is what happens on the field, and then there is what happens with your betting sheet, which uh, for some people, <laughs> of course, what happens on the field dictates this stuff. Uh, Rich Mileto helping us out. He and and so many others, part of our betting guide uh, with the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. Rich, uh, pleasant and great to have you with us. How are you doing on this Friday?
3: Good. Thanks for having me again.
1: Yeah, love uh, visiting with you, love uh, talking football, love talking bets. I I will start with this because I I would suggest, usually this is the last question for a guest, but I think for our purposes, everything kind of filters from what you think the final score will be or who you think will win. So let's start there. When you talk money line, spread, over under, those three things, which way are you going with those three uh, bets for Sunday?
3: I, I match up a lot with Tyler and Jeff. Um, I'm on the Chiefs. I, I can't bet against Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo, and Patrick Mahomes. I just think the Chiefs, and the they have the edge on where it matters most, in my opinion. Um, I, I also agree with Tyler. I'm not taking the two points. If it was three points, I'd reconsider it, but I'll take the money line. So give me the Chiefs on the money line. And I project the score to be somewhere around 27, 24, 31, 27. So I'm on the, on the overside. I'm thinking we're going to be approaching 50 points.
0: Do you agree with this
3: guy? I do. I do. <laughs> you know, what's funny, Ray? My, my, so I followed Jeff um, for a while on, on one of the other platforms when you guys were at way back when, and my wife was listening to him on the radio and I didn't realize it was one and the same. And the wife's like, you've got to listen to this Jeff guy. He, 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 you guys remind me of each other and I'm like well that sounds dangerous but uh no I there's a lot of times that I, I I feel like I'm on an island and then I hear Jeff say something I'm like oh well I'm not out to lunch then so you no, know, I, I am in kind of in lockstep with him on this one not always but I am here
0: we've got that Super Bowl betting guide over at fantasyguru.com again if folks want to get it it's 19.99. that includes the Super Bowl betting guide all of our regular season coverage for this week, all of our DFS coverage for this week, and also off season franchise mode, so up to the draft. Nineteen ninety nine is a great deal, and part of the the, the package there, this real betting package, uh, Rich, is a whole bunch of bets, and you're you're listed there. You're one of the, the key guys. Pulling back, broad picture wise, um, the the casual fan likes to bet Gatorade, coin flip, music stuff. What are your thoughts on the non-football bets? Do you gravitate toward those? Do you stay away from those? Any Anything along those lines pop for you this week?
3: Before I got more heavily involved with breaking down and analyzing and, and playing angles, I love those bets. They're fun, right? The, the odds on them are like plus 500, plus 550. They remind me of the NASCAR bets. And I like the longer odds because, hey, I can bet a dollar and get 50 bucks or 10 bucks or whatever it is right so it's kind of fun i kind of like how tyler approaches it hey use a half unit a quarter unit that sort of thing i do like the gatorade bets. i just find it fun it's something to look forward to at the end of the game I don't think there's any science behind it. I'm sure somebody within the organizations have an edge on what they know <laughs> the players drink and everything. So I'm sure it's kind of rigged for lack of a better term or something like that. But, you know, I'm betting red Gatorade. Both teams are red in color. So give me the red Gatorade. We'll see what happens. I'm not betting much on it, but I mean, you know, if I'm going to bet a total of a hundred dollars this weekend, I have no problem taking anywhere from five to 1520 of that and betting it on the national anthem and and the Gatorade I understand that it's more entertainment for me than anything else so Mm -hmm. let's let's not you know ruin our bank account or our bankroll doing this (laughs) but you know this is supposed to be fun and entertainment so I don't I don't have a problem kind of playing along with some of those things
0: if we look at the betting guide right now, we'll peek behind the curtain, we've got the Brock Purdy passing pop of the 246 and a half. We just asked Tyler, what do you think? And he said, I'm not really comfortable going the, the over. You're at the under. So talk to us about your expectations for the Niners passing game and why you think the Brock Purdy prop of 246 and a half is a little bit too high, Rich.
3: So... I noticed I'm a bit different than Jeff, than Tyler, than Rob and a couple of the other guys. I'm on the over for McCaffrey's rushing yards, and I'm on the under on Purdy's passing, which not a lot of them are on the under. I just think the Niners way to victory, even though the Chiefs haven't been the high prolific offense we've seen in the past, is to run at the Chiefs. The Chiefs have had some struggles against the run, and, and I don't understand why. Some of the teams have gone away from it when they face the Chiefs. It doesn't make any sense to me. The Ravens, for example. Um, I think McCaffrey's going to have a big rushing day. And conversely, I just don't think Purdy's going to have a big passing day. And and the Chiefs, Tyler broke down the Chiefs' pass defense very well, in my opinion. And I think he's spot on with Purdy's take. So um, give me Purdy with over a half interception. Give me Purdy under on both the passing yards and completions. Unless unless the Chiefs get up big and they're really forced to throw a lot, in which case I think Spagnola is going to be sending the blitz a lot, which I think is going to be a problem for Purdy. But that's also why I've got Purdy above the rushing yards. I just see this as a Chiefs game. The Niners are going to try to grind things out to keep the Chiefs off the field and rush the ball and kind of protect Purdy. Pur- I don't think the Niners want to lean on Purdy to carry them to victory. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, Rich, hey, um, I'm in on the Chiefs. That, that's where I'm going. And I said things kind of filter based off that prediction. Patrick Mahomes, when, when you look at all of his props, you know, it's kind of difficult to find a place to make money. You know, because the, the uh, you know, you may get plus 105 or plus 110. You, in effect, with the Chiefs winning, think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a good game. You know, that's kind of the rough assumption. It leads me to MVP, where this is a spot where you can make money on Patrick Mahomes, and and I would feel rich that if the Chiefs win like you have them doing, it's probably a good eighty percent chance that Patrick Mahomes is the MVP. Just as these things go with the voting, he's at plus one twenty five. Now he's the best by far. The next up is Purdy. What's he two thirty five? Right. But like for people looking for for a win with Mahomes, that's a good one MVP because its odds are the cute, the winning QB gets this award and you get them at plus 125 here i almost rather bet winning or qb like
3: rob has it listed there as a uh, qb wins the mvp and and the reason for that i agree it, it's likely the scenario but at plus 125 kyle i would almost rather i get kind of maybe i get caught up in story narratives If Travis Kelsey has a big game, are we really going to see Patrick Mahomes get the MVP over Travis Kelsey, (laughs) who's at the end of his career, that whole Taylor Swift narrative, and all of those things? So if I I wanted to kind of make that bet, because, again, these are kind of the fun bets. So I'm not suggesting you put 20 units on a plus 125 with Mahomes here, right? So I would almost rather take the Kelsey odds if I'm going to go that route. Um, But I did take the I don't remember what I bet on the units, but I did take QB wins, the MVP, because to your point, Kyle, I want to say we're 80 percent of the MVPs are QBs. I mean, it's it's a very rare thing
1: when that doesn't happen. Well, we'll stay with the Chiefs. Ray and I were talking about this yesterday. The fact that Rasheed Rice and Kelsey, they're over under for receptions is six and a half, which seemed pretty big for both. And for Kelsey, if you go the over. It's minus 166. That That is a lot of confidence. Can't do it. Have, it, it. To me, it sounds terrible. And those odds sound laughable almost. I mean, is that the hype train out of control? Or, or is that a fair number, minus 166 on the over of six and a half catches?
3: I think what it is is the books are compensating for what they think will be a Kelsey big game. So they're setting the line. And they're juicing the over because they know everybody's gonna be betting the over. Yeah. So that's why I said to your point, you know, like you were saying with Mahomes, hey, you get plus money on an MVP. You get that plus money on a Kelsey MVP. And let's be honest, if Kelsey goes for 120 yards, and I think his over under on the yards right now was what 73, 75 yards somewhere in that ballpark. It's not a massively high number. He hasn't done it a lot this year, but this is also a one and done game for the Super Bowl, right? So yeah. in my opinion, I, I have no problem expect expecting Kelsey to hit that number, but I tell you what, Kyle, at minus one sixty six, I don't want the action. Yeah. Yeah.
0: On the other side, Rich, let's talk about George Kittle, because there's all these weapons with the Niners and of course Debo and CMC at the top. And then you look at IU and his numbers are great. And then there's Kittle, right? And he he does a little bit of everything. He blocks. He's he's arguably the most well rounded tight end in football. Uh, his, I think his catch prop is like three and a half. We've got something in the digital betting guide at 20 and a half yards for the longest reception for Kel, uh, for Kittle, excuse me. How does Kittle play into this and anything with him stand out to you in the prop game this for this weekend? I,
3: I'm kind of on over on Kittle on, on most all of his options. Um, at least we had sure. listened to the betting guide longest reception. Um, I think I had him over on receptions and, and yards again, maybe I'm just kind of projecting too much of a story, Kelsey Kittle. I think we're going to see both these guys heavily used. I really do. I think they're some of the most talented athletes on the field. We have seen when these teams need plays, those are the guys they tend to lean on mix in Debo mix in rice for the chiefs. Um, I'm on the tight ends. I think we're going to – I will not be shocked if this Super Bowl, we talk about it being a tight end battle, that we see two of these gentlemen just really have some games. This is what they play for. And, again, maybe I'm just projecting, but that's kind of how I see it.
1: Would you love, like, a uh, combo bet of both guys scoring a touchdown? If you could get odds on that, would you be – all? because I've got – You know what? That's – I I hadn't thought about that, Kyle. (laughs)
3: And, yeah, I mean, because you're right. The odds have got to be – what, plus 700, I'm guessing, somewhere yeah. in that ballpark? So, you know, to have a half-unit bet or a one-unit bet, yeah, I do kind of
1: like that. Yeah. I mean, that's high-risk, high-reward type of thing, but yeah. Well, and, and along those same lines, um, you know, there's long shots out there. I mean, you got things, like I was just looking, uh, a punt return for a touchdown is plus 1,300. You know, there's there's these things that are well into the plus of foul. Is there any, and again, folks, these are long shots. You can't sit here and say, this is going to hit. But is there a long shot, I don't know, over plus 800 or maybe into the thousands that you'd be willing to get on in this game? Has anything kind of caught your eye through the week as you look at the odds? You know,
3: as of right now, I have not found any really big long shot bets that I like. However, I hadn't really thought about kind of doing what you suggested there with Kitty Kittle and uh, Kelsey. Mm-hmm. So I need to regroup on that. I, I do not have a good one. I apologize. I yeah. do not have a good plus four, you know, plus 1400 or anything better.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you what I would like. Um, it, it, this is, I, I see this and you might be able to get will an onside kick be attempted, but I kind mm-hmm. of like that one. Uh, they have a will an onside kick be successful, which I hate though. I mean, right, yeah, yeah, right, right. Kicks. it seems like it never happens anymore. Uh, but if you could find like, will an onside kick occur? I mean, I'm sure that's near a thousand. I that's kind of one of those weird things, rich, that you'd actually sit around and watch a kickoff, I guess, to see what happens. (laughs)
3: I, I, that would be, I, I, if you could get one for the kick, I I agree with you. I wouldn't want the recovery, but one for the kick, um, you know, you could combo both, both kickers. I mean, this would be kind of a, a fishing parlay, but if you could parlay, say, both kickers over field goal and a half and Purdy over half an interception. yeah. <laughs> if, I had, if I had to guess, your money on that is probably plus 400, plus three, mm-hmm. 400. I could do something like
1: that. Uh, by the way, uh, a doink, not a double doink, a doink. Uh, doink. Plus, a doink. A plus 700 for a doink so does gronk's
3: go. kick count if that
1: happens does gronk's <laughs> yeah. kick qualify in there how is he doing that again i don't well, know I at don't. least this year he's against somebody but i can't who's he who's he is it the rock who's he up against he's up against well, somebody i think well the they case. had to adjust the commercial because carl weathers was in the commercial yeah. so oh. they've
3: had to change the commercial they said they were working with the family to, to try to make it you know a little more yeah. appropriate but, whatnot.
0: But, didn't did, by the way, didn't the kick last year look like it was in Jeff Mann's backyard? Yeah. Yes. It
1: was so crazy. It's awful, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ray, when you spend one point two on the commercial, you don't have extra money laying around to create yeah. a, a good looking commercial.
0: Uh, you couldn't even go to a high school or something that, like made a fake field well, in a fake football field in an open field. Like what the <laughs> hell was that?
3: The the high school there in Bentonville, Arkansas, where Walmart's at is absolutely gorgeous. I'm pretty <laughs> sure you could have gone out there, had Walmart in the background and <laughs> and made made it a dual sponsorship thing and made money.
1: Yeah, I, I remember watching that commercial. Like, I didn't know if he made it or missed it. Like, it ended. Right.
0: Nobody what happened. <laughs> we didn't, you didn't know. Yeah. yeah. The people jumping. It was like, what? <laughs> Worst commercial oh, ever.
1: I guess we'll find out on Sunday. Uh, Rich, awesome stuff. Um, let us know how things go. Uh, give us Will an do. email Monday morning when you say, hey, kids, I'm off to the Cayman Islands. I did see so you my bed. Yeah, right. Well no. no. We. <laughs> A Monday
3: morning, we'll be full in NASCAR mode. So <laughs> yeah. we, we, we got Daytona coming up next week. So there's no rest for the weary here. I, I
1: I guess uh, you and uh, uh, Mr. Engel are handling everything on, on NASCAR this year and racing and all that. Yep.
3: Yep. Uh, we're looking to have a podcast to go along with the articles this year um, covering
1: just NASCAR. So we'll see how that goes. Yep. Uh, I may bother you, Ray, as well, next Friday. Get you a, a Daytona 500 preview. Ooh. We need to do that uh rich a pleasure man thanks a ton we'll let you run hey sounds good hey if you're looking for a commercial
3: watch out for the paramount plus commercial if you haven't seen the leaked video leaked video of it i highly
1: recommend checking out well done okay well done we'll look for that one rich Maletto with the call paramount plus uh the key will be ray will anybody subscribe to paramount plus after seeing that great commercial which Why everybody forgets about that it's like a great commercial then you're like I'm not going to pay eight bucks for that. <laughs> you know, that's the way he goes. Uh, Rich, take it easy. Good to see you. Rich Milletto hanging out with us here at FSD as we get you set for the Super Bowl. i uh, been doing it all week long. And and like I said, we got betting guides. We got matchup breakdowns. I'm sure through the weekend, DFS will start coming through at Fantasy Guru. So check all of that good stuff out uh, throughout the weekend leading up to Super Bowl 58. Kickoff uh, just after or right at 630 Eastern, I think it is. Uh, for Sunday at night, uh, Ray, moving away from uh, all things football for just a few moments, let's hit some baseball. Uh, you and I talking about this pretty well every single day. Um, it's a way for us to casually move into the season, and by next week, you know, we'll be going a lot more baseball, although that's kind of been the case in the previous week and a half with no football to really discuss. Uh, but Ray, we've been tackling second base all this week. Next week, we'll head over to third base and uh, get through that position before we get to second base. Let's talk about uh, the column that you wanted to spotlight today from the world famous Fantasy Guru Baseball Draft Guide. Um and it deals with pitcher workloads, which is an ongoing discussion in fantasy baseball. Hell, it's an ongoing discussion in real life baseball. This is something where teams are, are kind of coming to the conclusion ray that instead of hoping you get guys to 180 or 200 innings, you should instead hope that you can find six or seven guys that can knock out 130 innings <laughs> you know that's, that's kind of what baseball is doing and that has made it difficult for us in the fantasy world to kind of i don't want to say figure out this position but figure out how to emphasize this position and and to understand that you're going to tear through pitching in a fantasy season just because you you can't draft six guys and expect those six guys to be out there making 28 or more starts, it's it's almost impossible to be that lucky in fantasy baseball anymore.
0: Yeah, it's very tough. And, you know, the, the real reason is something we're all aware of. Teams have come to the conclusion, and they're safe in this belief, and the players are too, apparently, that you go out there and don't give us 90% for seven or eight innings. Give us 100% for five innings. Go. And so they go out, they max effort everything, they throw everything at 100%. You know, the old guys will tell you, I kept something in the kitty right? For the bottom of the seventh and there's guys on second and third and here come an extra three miles an hour. It's not a guy's pitch anymore. And so the era in the, in the article over at the site has tons of data. It talks about, you know, as you can see there on the screen in the small font, um, 200 innings, 180 innings, 170, 60. It talks about all the changes there over the, the recent past, uh, how many guys reach those levels. Uh, there's a whole bunch of information in the article talking about times through the order, uh, there's information in the article talking about which pitchers added pitches last year to their workload, which guys faced the most batters per game. So it's kind of an all-encompassing look at something that, you know, if you looked at the, the 2023 leaders and then you compared them to the 1993 leaders, the 2023 leaders wouldn't even be on the board. It'd be basically all the guys from the past because the game has just changed so dramatically.
1: It feels like, Ray, the only guy that you could look at and say 200 innings is Garrett Cole. Like that's the only guy that, you know, there may be others that get there, but the only guy you can truly feel good about is Garrett Cole, which in early drafts we've seen, it's kind of a Cole or Strider thing. Um, And I've seen Strider go before Cole in a few spots. Mm -hmm. Um, How about you? I mean, the fact that the expectation raised, Garrett Cole probably gets, uh, I'll just guess here, 30 more innings than Spencer Strider, 25. Maybe um, should Cole be going ahead of Strider because of that innings push, or is it still kind of a 50 50 for you between those two?
0: Yeah. The last two years, there's two pitchers in baseball that have thrown 200 innings each year. Garrett Cole and miles. Good job, miles. Um, <laughs> okay. Does that make him draft it? Do you have to draft miles Michaelis, right? Well, because well, of that <laughs> uh, 200 innings with the 4.3 era and a 1.3. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a great question. I think that most people are siding with Strider over Cole. Uh, I think that, you know, location, I think team, I think age, I think ascendancy, mm-hmm. I think bigger strikeout totals. I think all of that tilts to Strider. I think with Cole, there's a little bit of a skills decline. And, you know, when you're talking elite to just great, like, come on, man. You know, he's still the number two or three guy on the board, I think, for everybody Garrett Cole. But there's enough – erosion there as the age goes up that i'm willing to take strider ahead of him and i i think that you're you're totally right if we end up in a scenario where it's 202 innings from cole and it's 172 innings from strider you're going to want to have taken cole yeah. i think that you the the workload is likely to be a little closer than that this year so i would slightly favor strider but it's very tight
1: with, with this pitcher workload stuff right most mm-hmm. leagues out there nine pitching spots mm-hmm. um let's say you're in a 12 team league and it's i don't know 28 29 rounds whatever the number may be Uh, how do you plan for this preseason like is your draft planning for the pitcher workload to be down or is that an in-season thing that you just gotta you know be ready to deal with week in week out on the waiver wire like are you loading up on pitchers just so you've got them and you're ready to go for the season
0: i'm not moving pitchers up because this is the way i see the the global sphere is the following pitching is down everywhere like, there's not 25 guys that throw 220 innings and everyone else throws 150. Mm-hmm. Everyone is down. Like I said there, the 200, the new 200 is 180, the new 180 is 160. So, we're talking about a scenario where the entire landscape of pitching is kind of moving together downward. So, it's not necessary for you to say, I got to get, you know, three guys that throw 190 innings. You, it may not be possible to do that unless you bang them out <laughs> the start of your draft cool. anyway. But everyone, because of the reduction in innings, it's kind of global. So I think it's still more about the skills. It's still more about everything else than the workload piece per se. Now you can start factoring in, and you should, you know, where are these guys at in terms of their development? Did this guy throw 120 innings last year or 160? What's the likelihood the team's going to add to that total this year? Those kind of things need to be factored in on an individual basis. But I think in general, I'm certainly not pushing pitching up um, and I'm not aggressively targeting pitching because I think the universe is going down. And with the way teams are, are using, you know, six-man rotations and openers and bullpens and calling guys up from the minors, we got options to pick up off the waiver all season long because teams are having to roll through these things, especially when guys get hurt.
1: To close in three years from now, what is that? Twenty twenty-seven. Will the two hundred pitcher cease to exist? Two hundred inning pitcher is it? Is it gone, Ray? Or will there always be one to four guys kind of landing well, yeah. in there per season?
0: I mean, has Garrett Cole suffered because he's thrown 200 innings? So I think that, I think to answer the question, there'll probably still be a couple guys. Yeah. I would think. Now, again, I could be wrong here because, uh, again, this is, you know, teams have decided these things arbitrarily. And we, you and I grew up, everyone threw 200 innings, just what you did, right? And guys made all star teams throwing 200 innings. That, that was, that, that happened. Um, so I I don't know if they'll the micromanage things so aggressively because you can also do this too. And we've seen this, you know, with guys. You don't have to let them throw 120 pitches in the game, right? They could throw seven innings or eight innings. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's 103 pitches. Like the the, the the ability to get through the order quickly should dictate, which is why the article talks about pitches thrown, right? It should that should be more of a dictating aspect than the innings pitch, because there's a whole big difference between throwing eight innings and eating 136 pitches, and throwing yeah. eight innings and eating 92, right? So the innings factor, hopefully they'll still let guys get to 200 if they're willing to do it.
1: Okay, check out the article in the draft guide, one of dozens of articles that are up, and those articles continue to come up each and every day. The rankings are constantly updated as well, so check it out at fantasyguru.com. Uh, second base rate, we got to close down the discussion on second baseman, and uh, as is tradition around these parts, on the uh, final day of a position, we kind of talk about rookies or guys that – uh, could ascend to the big leagues. Everybody loves a rookie. Uh, second base, I, I wouldn't say is loaded, uh, but but there are certainly some names. I, I will point out, he's not one of the two guys you're looking at right now. Probably the best second base prospect is uh, Tamer Johnson with Pittsburgh. Uh, he's really young. Well, I, uh, what's the exact age? Is he 21, maybe? Uh, is he even 21 yet? He may not yeah, be. I no, he's 19. My yeah. God, he's 19. Yeah. I was way off on that. Uh, he was drafted out of high school and Ray, I, I can't see Pittsburgh bringing him up this year, but so just to kind of, he's probably the best second base prospect. But he's a single A, double A guy. Yep. Um, you know, it'd, it'd be really surprising if Pittsburgh fast forward him to the big leagues. So, you know, that's kind of a guy. I know the, the hype will be there. You'll see him all over prospect lists, but it's in a redraft league, just too early uh, mm-hmm. to be thinking about putting him on and stashing. Uh, it's a little different here, Ray, with uh, these two guys, Jace Young and, and Xavier Edwards. Um, there's Justin Fusco with Texas. Of course, he's kind of blocked by two studs and Seeger and, and Simeon, um, Thomas Sejaci, I think is how you say it. A uh, second baseman with the Cardinals who actually came over from the Rangers in a trade at the deadline. But let's start with Jace Young here of Texas, or, excuse me, of Detroit, Ray. I was thinking Josh Young of yeah, <laughs> Texas, yeah. but Jace Young of, of Detroit, as you note here, it's power. And there is an opportunity for him to get to this club. You know, they're kind of in that spot of, okay, let's get to 85 wins. Let's get thinking about 90 wins. And and he is going to see some big league time this year.
0: He is. And they basically have announced that he's probably going to play third base, which screws the second base. Breaking's <laughs> yeah. is even a little bit more. But, he but he'll have, will he arrive with second he base should. eligibility? He should. He should, right? Because yeah. he, sh- he should. That's the position he's been playing. So he should. And I think he actually won a gold glove at second base. Last year, really? So it's really weird, but they've decided because of the way the roster's composed that they're talking about moving him to third base. Should arrive as a second baseman. Uh he's got a really good approach. He is all about power as the graphic says. Uh you know, he he controls the strikes on well and he's got power. I think he had 20, 30 home runs last year. So he he'll arrive and he should hit. He's one of he he's I want to say a hit first second baseman, but as I just mentioned, his glove is good too. So he's not really it's just that his offense can be so impactful with the bat that you want to say that he's an offensive offense first guy. But uh, I think there's a very reasonable expectation that he has a bat that allows him to make all-star teams at some point. I -hmm. think it's, it's a, it's a pretty good, he's got a pretty good hit tool as they say Kyle.
1: He's got a chance to make this team, doesn't he? I mean, if he has a good spring, he could be up on opening day, right? I mean, I could see, I could see him becoming a guy over the next six weeks, Ray, Mm -hmm. that really starts to scale draft boards and people kind of get excited about him. If they think he's going to break, break with the squad.
0: Yeah, because you look at the at the composition of the Tigers team right now, and they its profile. We talked about him yesterday. Zach McKinstry to start at third base. Okay, Zach McKinstry. <laughs> you know, Zach that, McKin- That's
1: like something you're cool with for six weeks, and then right. You
0: <laughs> yeah, he's getting 568 bats at third base. Eh. You know, they've also got Andy Banya, so they can move around the infield. So those are two nice pieces to have, but neither one of those is a is a roadblock to Jace Jung. Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think that there there's a chance it'll probably depend upon how he does in spring of course it might be one of those things where he's down and he's back in mid-may or something like that but we're going to see him this year i think that's it's very clear that that's going to occur
1: so we got the power of young and then as you note the speed of a guy named xavier edwards who i don't think ray is going to be listed as like oh he's one of the best second base prospects in baseball but for fantasy he really is of interest even if he's not a great player He's got that one tool that could separate him in the fantasy world.
0: Yeah, and you look at scouting reports, and you on that twenty eighty scale, you know, eighty being out of this world Hall of Fame. He's like a seventy or seventy five in speed. Like it's mm. it's a legit tool. And you look at his performance last year. You know, he stole thirty two bases and ninety three games at Triple A. Uh, he is uh, he's not asturi Ruiz, but he's along those lines with a little bit of a better hit tool. So there's excitement there. He doesn't have any power like Ruiz, and he's He's not going to light the board up that way, but you know, the hit tool again is much better than Ruiz. So that, and we see what Ruiz can do. And so if we scale that down in steals and we scale it up in batting average and we say that, you know, Edwards is hitting 280 with 46 steals, I mean, we got we got a we got a fantasy option there like you're saying, Colin. So he's someone definitely to keep an eye on for that speed component if that is something you're indeed searching for.
1: And I would guess he is with this Marlins team. Coming out of camp, we actually got to see him for a cup of coffee last year, so the clock's already started with Xavier Edwards. The difficulty, Ray, is does he get in? I mean, Luis Arise is at second base, and we we talked about Arise earlier in the week. Uh, Luis is 680 plate appearances, you know, he plays. So that's the problem with Edwards is, I mean, we're talking about a a pure backup at this point with the Marlins.
0: Yeah, and, you know, he is someone that, Again, he's a youngster. He's 24, and he could be – let's hope – I'm going to draw some bad parallel here. Vidal uh, Brujan, who was with the, the the Rays for years, another guy at the middle okay. with speed, and they yeah. waited, and it never happened. Let's hope that doesn't happen with Edwards. But because of the fact that he doesn't profile as some great offensive force, to your point, he might be sporadically used at the start of his career. That's possible.
1: Okay. Uh, that'll do it for our second base wrap-up this week. Again, we've been talking about it all week long. Started on Monday. You can always find these old shows if you want to hear more about second baseman or any of our positions. You now, last week was first base, uh, the week before catcher. It's actually a great quick rundown. You can even just go to the part in the show that you want to hear us talking about those positions if you'd like. Um, as noted, next week, third base is what we'll get to. Of course, Monday we'll be recapping the Super Bowl, our final thoughts on all of that. And then Ray, it's uh You know, batting down the hatchets, baseball begins. Although, as Ray reminds us, he's been doing baseball since uh, November pretty well, right?
0: Actually, I cheated this year. I went the last week of October. So, yeah, yeah. But basically, (laughs) since November, yes.
1: Yeah, so Ray's in mid-season form. Thank God, because uh, he'll get us all up and ready for mid-season form. Um, As always, check out the draft guide and get it for 40 bucks using that promo code FSD20. Check out all the other offers that are available over at FantasyGuru.com. You see that uh, NFL package, which... For this weekend is critical with the Super Bowl betting guide. So uh, do check it all out. 20 bucks for that sucker. And uh, you heard Jeff, and or excuse me, you heard Tyler and Rich talking about the betting. And um, $20, you know, to invest in uh, making you a better wagerer uh, probably can pay off coming up on Sunday. Uh, Ray, have a good one. Uh, final pick on the Super Bowl. What do you got?
0: Yeah, I feel bad. We got them posted over at fantasyguru.com. I picked the Niners to make the Super Bowl when it started. I didn't think the Chiefs would get there. <laughs> I ended up going the Chiefs, and I basically had almost the exact same score as Rich. I went 27-23 Chiefs.
1: I'm going to go Chiefs uh, in a cakewalk. Hmm. How about that, Ray? 30-10. Uh, to 10. Oh, wow. Kyle, step it out. baby. Step it out. All right. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, Purdy may have some difficulties here. I don't know. We'll see. I hope it's a much better game than that. That's what I hope. Okay, Ray, have a good one. We'll see you soon. All right, Kyle. Thanks. Monday will be the day, 11 a.m. Thanks to everybody hanging out with us today. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy all the food, the commercials, all that good stuff. And we'll catch up next Monday right here with Fantasy Sports Daily powered by FantasyGuru.com.